you know what, Jen? I don't think I've ever looked better in my life. I think I'm I'm at the peak of my physical prowess. I think you are. At the moment. And yeah. I would love to share that with people. I'd love people to be able to see me in the flesh. Just it's to... selfish to keep this. <laughs> it is. This amount of radiance needs to be shared. So I thought what I would do is invite people along to see me in real life. To be in the same room at the Museum of Comedy. At the Museum of Comedy, because comedy is what I do <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> and you belong in a museum. No, oh, no. No, no, no. It was How rude. My self-esteem had climbed and now it's back down on the floor. But no, I um, love the Museum of Comedy and I'm going to go there and I'm going to take my raw magnetism with me uh, on Wednesday the 24th of April. Can I come too? You can. Just try not to sort of detract from my glow, you know. Okay. Uh, we are going to have the magnificent Jenny Ryan, a magnificent guest, Ooh. TBA. Wednesday the 24th of April, put it in your diaries, bring your sunglasses because I am shining. Yeah, get your tickets now. The link is in our social media or from the music. Museum of Comedy website. Oh, please do come. Jen's all right as well. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's your name? Jenny Ryan. Correct. What's my name? Lucy Porter. Correct. What are we doing? We're making a podcast all about quizzing. Correct. What's it called? Fingers on buzzers. Correct. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fingers on Buzzers. Sort of started as Bob Dylan. Uh, <laughs> and then I don't know where you went from then, but I enjoyed it. Uh, what a bumper episode of Fingers on Buzzers we have today. It's one of my favourite things, which is where we talk to an industry insider. Ooh. I'm always fascinated by the people who have originated quizzes, who have worked on quizzes. And our guest today has such a wealth of experience to share with us. And uh, also one of the nicest voices you will ever hear. Magnificent. Yes, he's... I can't think of many roles on entertainment shows he has not performed behind the scenes. So. Exactly, he's done variety, he's done quiz, he's done game shows, he's he's done shows that aren't a quiz or a game show. Mm. Uh, which, and shows he's forgotten. And a lot of shows that he's forgotten because he's done so much. The brilliant Nigel Kroll will be our guest today. So let's welcome Nigel to the show right now. Do you know what? We always love having industry insiders on this podcast and I don't think we've ever had someone with the breadth and depth of experience that you oh. do, Nigel. I mean, you've worked on everything. 
I have, but um, a lot of it was back in the day. The quiz shows element was back in the day when I was um, first starting in telly. And then I moved on to doing some radio uh, mm. quizzes as well. And coming up with the ideas for radio quizzes, which uh, is always better than just getting a, a fee for writing the questions for them, isn't it? You know, oh, yeah. Both the financial reward and also the intellectual joy of <laughs> sorting out how a quiz is going to work. Because just... Yeah. It, I mean, we have discussed this with various people who've originated quizzes, but you've done it many times. What do you think are the most common mistakes that you make when you're first coming up with a format? I think the main problem is a quiz doesn't work if it's too complicated. It's got to be quite simple for the audience to understand. They've got to get the idea of what the the contestants have to do or the host has to do to drive it on. And I think as long as you've got something which is really, Really, really simple in format style, like Pointless, for example. Yeah. It is so simple. That is the one show. Actually, it's not the one show, but it's very much one of the, the top shows that I wish I'd come up with the idea of. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's brilliant, isn't it? You know? Yeah. I mean, just come up with the... Well, you've got to really stretch your brain to think, well, what would people not know about a subject? And mm. I think that is um, that is always important on a quiz show. But the well, ones that I... Work with Richard Osman as well, haven't you? Yeah, well, he, funnily enough, Richard, when we devised, co devised, it was myself, um, uh, Richard, David Walliams, and Simon Heath, who went on to become the, um, well, head honcho, creative honcho of um, World Pictures, the ones who do Lot of Duty, I think, is one of theirs. Um, It's a big drama company, and it was the four of us. But why it needed four to um, come up with this idea. But we were all put together. So Richard left just when we were doing the pilot. But David and Simon stayed on and the three of us then used to write write it together. But not sitting by one another to write it together. We'd kind of meet up and we'd go in with our contributions in a writer's room type way. Which but show was this, Nigel? Tell it, was about called the, the show. it was called The Anton Deck Show Yes, for BBC. It was the first thing that they did where they were Antedeck, not PJ and Duncan. That was good good fun to have them there at that very start of their career. I remember um, uh, Deck, he didn't want to take his hat off. He was always wearing a, a hat um, in rehearsal rooms, you know, in office meetings. Yeah, he didn't want to take, take off the hat at all. But, uh, yeah, Richard, Richard Osman, was only there for like the beginning of the uh, gestation period of the show. Uh, so we did a pilot and then the BBC commissioned it. And it did all right, actually. Well, it won a BAFTA for Best Kids Entertainment Series. So that was, we must be doing something right. Yeah. But um, I remember Richard saying to me, first of all, we had the comparison of heights. I'm quite tall. Um, I'm six foot five. He's, I think, six, seven. Mm-hmm. And David Williams is quite tall. Simon Heath, what I would say, normal height you know um <laughs> i remember richard saying oh no he said i'm going on to do another program and i think that program must have been deal or no deal which again is a quiz slash game show where it's very simple how they managed to spin that out into an hour-long format where basically <laughs> you open 15 boxes um yes. i mean it's incredible you know how how they managed to do it but they did and a lot I think of the was... cult of noel edmonds had a lot to do with that didn't yeah it? yeah yeah absolutely well i used to work with him that was one of my first jobs was working as a researcher on the late late breakfast show oh, wow. uh, and then i also worked on script associate on noel's house party and a couple of other shows in between oh actually there was a, I, I did a quiz show with him which was 
about television. Eliadis. Yeah. Eliadis, yeah. You know what? I've forgotten that I'd uh, I'd worked on that. <laughs> I'm getting to that age, Jenny, where I, I you know, these things um, uh, kind of fly in and out of my brain, and I can't quite remember having worked on them. And it's always a, a joy and delight to be told, oh, yeah, you did work on that. Yeah, you did. It's a story yeah, no, career worked... coming back to you. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. This um, is nice. We'll be able to tell you everything you've done, Nigel, and you can just sit and enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you visited me in an old people's home. <laughs> you know? What what time's the cocoa coming round? Can I have another tart blanket on my knees, please? Do yeah. you remember? This will, This will be a do you remember. We were very excited to talk to you about lots of things you've done, but talking telephone numbers. Right, yeah. No, talk, okay, fine. But I don't class that as a quiz show. No. And I don't class it really as a game show. Oh. Controversial, I know. That is controversial. I would say that talking telephone numbers was a variety show yeah. in the mm-hmm. true sense. Because, you know, the format of that was, it was to do with the digits of your own telephone mm-hmm. number. So uh, the last five digits, so you would know that you would have a lot of people would have that if they were watching the show, then that bit was live. Then the we pre-recorded bits in the middle, and then the ending was live. You had to get a winner live on the show. So you would have some of the um, the acts on the show would be some of them would be variety performers you know throwing knives at, at things you know the old school variety shows bradley walsh came on i remember joe pasquale came on bernie clifton came on but he hadn't brought the comedy ostrich with him and how did you recognize him then <laughs> well exactly <laughs> he came in and he said i'm gonna do he said an act where i dress up with a an arabian style headdress and uh, he said and i've got a fire extinguisher underneath the um the smocky um type part of the the outfit and he said and at a certain point i will fire the fire extinguisher and there'll be a jet of whatever comes out of the fire extinguisher foamy stuff so that was slightly weird i felt race yeah. to find that in uh, whatever oh, archive that's in well, well it'd be an itv archive somewhere it was a fun show to work on but i wouldn't say it was necessarily there was no hmm. quizzing apart from the yeah. only question i asked the booty clifton was have you brought the comedy ostrich with you no. <laughs> oh. okay <Oops>. right <laughs> well we'll have to go with the fire extinguisher routine then <laughs> well it was i suppose yeah it wasn't really a game show no. i mean little element of three two one in that yeah. that you know having variety and people yeah, winning prizes right. but that's no you're right. right it's certainly not a quiz show and i think you've talked us round that it's not even really a game show entertainment show with a game aspect yes so yeah, yeah, it still well, falls yeah. under our remit so I'm, Good. I'm still claiming it no that's fine <laughs> absolutely fine very excited to talk about this is a favorite of ours we have played the board game of this in the past right. every second counts oh here's a big confession I, I should have told you beforehand i wrote down that i'd worked on every second counts I didn't. I worked on Odd One Out, and I oh. I mistook it for... I, I thought, every second count, so I thought, I'd better go and look on online to see what I did. I told you, when you get to my age, your memory fades a bit. So I looked on it, I thought, I never worked on that. Odd One Out was, you had four subjects, and one of them was the Odd One Out, and the contestants had to identify what the Odd One Out was. It was in the early 90s. And Hosted by? Not a lot. 
Millennials. Yeah, yes, yes, did. yes. The, That's what I got confused. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, right. understandably so. But yeah, the the great Paul Daniels, who I had forgotten how many game shows Paul Daniels did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I mean, there was a period where he was just on everything, wasn't he? Well, he he did a load of series of Every Second Counts. Um, yeah. He did about six or seven series of it. I don't mm-hmm. think he did that many of, of, of Odd One Out. That was the very first show that I wrote quiz questions for mm-hmm. because uh, at the time I was working, well, working at the BBC in London and uh, Television Centre. And the great thing about that was you could walk around the circular corridors there and I was in the entertainment department, um, the variety department it was called um, in the early 80s. And there... You could see the producers, and they'd say, "Oh, what are you doing then?" I said, "You know," and I'd say, "Oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that," um, and they say, "Yeah, we need some questions written for insert name of show." In this case, it was Odd One Out. Have you ever written any questions? No, but I'm going to give it a go. So um, <laughs> I was young and thrusting then, you know, <laughs> desperate it's, to get on. <laughs> still thrusting now, no. Exactly. <laughs> Just maybe not as, maybe a little bit no, more weekly, but there's still. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Were you a keen quizzer before you started writing the questions, or did that um, spark a love of it? Yeah, I suppose it did. I mean, yeah, I like quizzes, I, and I've always liked quizzes, and my wife and I. Monday evening, I said, you know, the uh, the triumvirate of quizzes there. Mm. Quiz night on BBC Two. Quizzy Mondays, um, we love them. Exactly, that's it, yeah. Jenny, that's it. So I love all that, and we go through Mastermind, and there's an element of being triumphant with one another. My wife, Mel, she objects when I say, how did you know that? As if she wouldn't know the answer to quite a complicated question on I don't know, universally challenged, as we call it, yes. or part of the the only connect ones, you know, where you, you're doing the um, the walls there. You see, I started at the BBC as a contestant researcher on Blankety Blank, oh, so yeah. I used to find the people for Blankety Blank. If wow, you, this I'm telling you this because I've obviously tremendously disappointed you with your board your board game knowledge of every second couch here. I'm trying <laughs> desperately to make up for it. Okay. You've more than made up for it, Nigel. <laughs> just by being here. But yeah, Blankety Blank, we love and well yeah. Captain Tom was uh, on Blankety Blank in the early days. I don't know if he was one of yours, but uh they no, were I don't think uh, he was. Was he on? Oh, yeah, of course. That's right. He was. It's a particular skill to find a contestant, especially for a show like Blankety Blank, where, you know, you've got to have someone who is outgoing, but not isn't going to overwhelm. You know, it's it's the host show, and then you've got the celebrity panelist. But you need someone who's, you know, a little bit eccentric. Yeah, you do. You do need to be a special type of person, I think, to be a contestant <laughs> on a quiz show. And we, uh, it was myself and um, a guy called Sean Murphy. We were the contestant researchers on the show. I was actually filling in between the series of Wogan, which is what I actually joined the BBC to do. And then they said, no, there's a couple of months. Um, and then the Late Late Breakfast show will start with Noel Edmonds. So in between, will you be a contestant researcher on Blankety Blank? And I said, well, you know, I wouldn't, I have to say I wasn't thrilled because I'd gone from Wogan where it was celebrities coming through the doors. It was the first series of the Saturday night show. Um, yeah to then going to dealing with Jim from 
I don't know, Bedford or whatever, who had always wanted to meet Terry Wogan. They all wanted to meet Terry Wogan. I don't think we had an application form uh, on the programme which didn't say, um, why do you want to come on? The question was, why do you want to come on blankety blank? Um, it would be the first thing they'd put would be to meet Terry Mo Wogan with a, an exclamation mark after it. And uh, we used to stick the, um, although we had a wall on the uh, in our office in, in Television Centre with all the, to meet Terry Wogan, to meet Terry Wogan. It was the Wogan wall there. <laughs> I bet he loved but, that. Oh, wow. He would just turn up for the show. He was great. But he would just turn up for the show. So we never saw him in the office. It was yeah. you'd see him about half an hour before the recording and he would and he'd be the, you know, genial guy that that he was. And mm -hmm. um, you know, he was great fun. But clearly it was I'll get in there, I'll quaff a, a glass before I go on air, and then I'll meet the celebrities, and then these people will come on. And for those people, it was the most important day of their lives. Yeah. You know, I know, I know that. Um mm -hmm. for them. But there was a kind of switch of personality there. Mm -hmm. Once they got in front of the cameras, I remember one, one lady saying, um, oh, could you get me makeup to come here? I'm thinking, okay, what? right. <laughs> I just need to get you into the studio, you know, on time and in front uh, of the cameras and sitting down at the desk there. Uh, that's all I need to do. I'm not particularly bothered about getting makeup in to quaff your hair or whatever. <laughs> Lucy, you, you were a researcher, though, would you? I I did do a little bit of contestant research and I similarly really didn't want to do it. Um, and well, what I found was also the sort of pressure from the producers and the executive producers that, you know, you just, whoever you got wasn't good enough. Mm. And yeah, it was a slightly thankless task. You were sort of getting it in the neck from all ends, really. That's right. Absolutely. And you are kind of lowest of the low in the production hmm. pyramid there yeah. you're really right at the bottom there yeah it, it is a bit of a thankless task but it was a formative part of my career it gave me a drive and an ambition to get out of contestant research and get into <laughs> other, other programs and uh, yes. that sort of thing you know ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
there are so many things that I would like to talk to you about, but on the subject of people that you'd always want to meet, now you've done so many amazing radio shows and I am an absolute devotee of radio and I think some of the best quiz shows actually have started on or remained on radio. Um, yeah. And Radio Wales really punches above its weight, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. I did, a, uh, yeah, I did do a lot of them um, for Radio Wales. I came up with... Um, um, an idea for a quiz show, which is called ABL3, where <laughs> I would talk to two guests um, on the show, play maybe an audio clip and then say, listen to this clip. And then you hear um, uh, an American air traffic controller who's saying, are you going to have to identify yourself? Identify yourself. And I'd say, okay, so was that person, who was he asking to identify themselves? Was it A, an albatross flying past? Was it B, a person sitting in a deck chair with helium balloons attached to the deck chair and they'd floated up into the air, or was it three something else? It was the guy in the um in the chair who I was trying sort to of vaguely remember that. You know, yeah, it was a it's one of those Darwin Awards where um mm. uh, it was mentioned in those and uh, but we managed to get the audio recording the producer on the show, Rob Alexander, he got it from somewhere on the internet. Wow. I don't know whether he'd cleared it. Well, who who knows? <laughs> a long time ago. Now, was this the show on which you had Neil Kinnock? Uh, yes, it was. Yes. Yes, because that's where that, that's the person I thought I would always. I've always really wanted to meet Neil Kinnock. I just find him absolutely fascinating. Oh, uh, he's brilliant. Well, I I liked him. Um, mm. I, I I first met him. I was writing the script for the BAFTA Awards, and he was doing the also presented on tonight's show. Neil was doing those awards, you know, uh, where they marginalised some of the the craft categories, shall yeah. we say, there. Um, but I remember saying to him, you know, Neil, you're the best prime minister we never had, and he said, oh, thank you. All the best people say that, and uh, I was quite. <laughs> No, I was quite pleased with that. But yeah, Neil was great. And he wasn't um, Lord Kinnock at that point, but he was a European commissioner. I was actually staggered that he actually, he said he would do it. But he lived quite close to Cardiff and he came on the show. And um, I always found that politicians were, we, we had another politician, um, Kim Howells. I don't know if you know him. He was a Labour MP, mm. incredibly indiscreet. And we, we had to say to him, Kim, please don't. <laughs> We can't broadcast any of this. Oh, great. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> As ever, I can't remember exactly what he was saying, but I was basically, it was a it was a device. I'd come up with a device for a chat show hmm. where I'd get two guests on. Um, Lembic, Lembitopic came on, hmm. and Chan Loy was the other hmm. guest on the show, and the rest for a brief oh, time, was history for them oh. uh, because they hooked up um, on that show. So, That's the power um, of quiz. Yes, it, exactly. Yeah, it's romantic. Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, there were a couple of other um, Radio World shows that, that I used to do there most recently, uh, a few years ago. We had The Leak. Did you yes. do The Leak? You, I believe you... I did. Yeah, or yeah. there was What's the Story as well, wasn't Yeah, there? What's the Story. I did What's the Story first. I definitely um, did one of those, but I can't remember I which one. Think you did I, the I'm leak. like you. I can't remember anything I, either. No, so. I'll tell you why. Because at that time, you did it during lockdown, didn't you? Was yes, it when... I did. That's yeah. right. I mean, I have no idea. Well, I wasn't working on the show by then. So mm. um, I'd done about eight series of it. Uh, mm. And prior to that, I'd done about five or six series of What's the Story both topical news quizzes where we would get in the studio with 
Tom Price, who was the host of the leak. Um, yeah, no, great guy, Tom. And he, um, um, you know, he would ask questions about the events of the day in comedic form. You know, that was that was good fun. You know, when you're writing against a deadline, you've got this mental clock. Or we mm. had mental and physical clocks ticking there as people are going, <laughs> you know, they're going, audience are coming in in 20 minutes. I'm thinking, mm. we haven't got an end to this show here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, but, I can tell you it's very much the same the news quiz for Radio 4. It's always Andy Zaltzman is writing the final links as the audience <laughs> are actually sort of in front of yeah. him. Well, well and, Andy came. He came on. He was one of the guests on on uh, the leak, and Mars Jupp was on it. So you've had a you've had a few news quiz hosts on That's on uh, that show. Well, I mean, everyone has done it, and I mean, obviously, there's yeah. you know the talent of Wales. You've worked with all of them: Rob Gilbert, Rob Bryden. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Tom Price, as we say, it's. Uh, oh, hang on it, a minute, Tom Price, one of the talents of Wales. Sorry, Tom, <laughs> mate. Only joking. No, he definitely is. If you're Welsh, come into the parlour. That's what we used to say. <laughs> it was great fun, and and it was informal. It was like this, you know, it was basically, it was a podcast before podcasts were invented. Mm, yeah, you know, quite uh, loose and free range. Yeah, and, yeah no, Which is a lovely, I mean, I think it's interesting, actually, as a, I wonder if podcasting has affected radio comedy in yeah. sort of good ways and bad ways, I suppose. In some ways, it's harder to get things commissioned because people say, oh, it could you should just do it as a podcast. Yeah, which means that they don't have to pay you money to do it, isn't it? And that is the big problem. That's my beef with with that sort of mm. thing. You know Ben Partridge? Um, yes, Beef and uh, Dairy Network, yeah. well, um, Three Bean Salad. Absolutely. Um, he did those. I've known Ben actually lives down the road from me, or he was born just down the road from me, and now he's moved back to Cardiff and he lives quite close to me as well. And so we meet up and have chats. And he's, I remember him saying to me, we'd had a, a quick coffee in the local coffee house. And he said, will you do this thing for me? Uh, he said, it's a podcast. It's called Beef and Dairy Network. And I said, okay, what's all that about then? And he said, oh, <laughs> you just got to do a character. I said, I'm not a character. I'm not an actor. He said, no, you just have to play a role. He said, we'll come up with a role. So we did a little bit of um, role play in there in my car. And we sat there and we recorded the um, a character, Barry, who um, was obsessed with lamb, eating lamb. This is going to sound strange. Your, your <laughs> listeners who don't know what the Beef and Dairy Network is, but check it out, please. Yeah, listen. you don't know what you're missing. It has been an absolute joy talking to you. We always like to do a little quiz with our guests before we let oh. you go. So, it's a short quiz, but this is based around another radio project that I think you uh, devised with Kevin Day to boldly go. Is this going to be all sci fi questions then? <laughs> it might be. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we did. Um, we did that together. I got so much time for Kevin. I think he's a he's a great guy. Yeah. He actually came on one of the um, editions of the leak, and they they had to stop me and Kevin talking to one another because we were enthusing about the old days, having worked together in the in the past. And they said, "Can we get on with the show now? We've actually got to do audience are in the studio. We got to we got to get on with it." Okay, so um, sci-fi, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, now it's sort of because I was quite impressed that you had managed to get a sci-fi quiz away because I think sci-fi is it's so huge but it is so hard to quiz about Radio 2 were doing a 
what, what's it called when they specialised in one subject? It was space anyway, because it was all about space. They, I knew a producer called Liz Anstey, who was working there at the time. And she said, oh, you got anything about space that you know, could put in entertainment-wise? And I said, well, I'll just knock up a little sci-fi quiz. So I did. That was the one that we did. And we did loads of, um, we did a couple of series of that, a fair few mm. series of that. But I'm not a sci-fi expert. But what I should say is the radio theatre, which is where we used to record it, I have never seen it so full. They had yeah. to open up the, the – there's a top tier there. Uh, they had to open that up because all the people mm-hmm. – they weren't in Forbidden Planet. Forbidden Planet um, The <laughs> and those comic shops, were they were all <laughs> rammed into the bead for this sci-fi. <laughs> you know what? Maybe go back to the BBC and say you could revive it because uh, well, yeah, this could be the time. I'm going to ask you – there's only five questions. It's a quick okay. quiz. But I'm going to – each one illustrates a problem with sci-fi quizzing. I okay. Think. So first question, the problem this illustrates, I think, is that there's – it's always the same questions in sci-fi quizzes, like the same ones seem to come up. For example, this one, which character speaks the first line in the original 1977 Star Wars movie? I know. Because well, it's I... a fairly common question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would guess it either R2-D2 or... CP3O? No. C3PO, you're out. Oh, is it? Right. right. You did. You got it, Nigel. We're giving well, you okay, We're doomed cheers. or something. Something catastrophic. Yeah. Ah, yeah. right. Darth Vader's about to board the ship. Ah, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is another one. Again, yeah. a, a little bit too frequently asked this one. This is, uh, what is James Kirk's middle name? Tiberius. Yes. Good, you've uh, proved my point yeah. there, that we all know that. that is a, it's, well, a, it's a chestnut. It's not just a sci-fi chestnut. I think that's definitely in the public consciousness. Yes. Yeah. I actually used it on the um, Taboli Go as well. So There you go. Yeah, but that was a few years ago. <laughs> that was a fair few years ago, yeah. You originated that as a quiz question. <laughs> I wouldn't stolen. claim it. Now, this is another one. This is because this illustrates how difficult it is because uh, often sci fi questions have a number of answers which you could debate for ages. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, how many numbered incarnations of the Doctor have there been in oh. the BBC Doctor Who series? Oh, no. If you look in the Radio Times this week, there's a picture of all the Doctors. Yeah. And annoyingly. But some don't have numbers. Yeah. Well. So I, I've I, got an answer, but I don't. I, I well, let's hope it's just right. have a guess. Have a guess. Go on. Uh, I think. Uh, it, I think the new one, Shakuti Gatwa, is at thirteen. Okay. What I was going to say was seventeen. Or I'd say um, less than that if I were you. Or even sixteen. Or even oh, less... maybe fifteen. Yes, I'd, I'd say fifteen. Okay. I'd say fifteen's a good one. The thing is, Jenny, the, the confusion arises because in the Radio Times they've got there's a female doctor. I mean, mm. obviously Jodie Whittaker, but there was. Another, there was another one, doctor. but she didn't have a number. No. She didn't have a number. But mm. You can all get it. David Tennant was 10, which means that, oh, God, I've missed, yeah, I've missed Matt Smith. Yeah. Matt Smith was 12. He'll be horrified. Capaldi, no, 11, 12, 13, Jodie Whittaker. That means that was. Well, do you know, this is, right, you've entirely proved really my confused. point, and I thank you because. Yeah. Are, are, they, are they putting David Tennant back in as 14? Yes, I think, yes. Well, that's naughty, yeah. isn't it? 14 actors it, have played so. 15 numbered doctors. That's, not, yeah. that's what I saw. Ah, yeah. right. but, we, we can argue for hours about this. So let's <laughs> get up to 58 if you wanted to. So uh, I tell you what, I'll just whiz through. My apologies to Matt Smith because you're listening, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> Um, just two more very quickly. Which female yeah. science fiction writer's books include The Dispossessed? Mm. Um, no, no. No. 
No, it's Ursula K. Le Guin, which for ages, if any question started, which female science fiction writer? She's the one. She's yeah, the one you It must go. be her. So right. that is another little problem with sci-fi is that it I has been that. a very male-dominated yes. field. And then yeah. a final question. Um, this is just a bit of fun. How many Klingon speakers are there estimated to be worldwide? Is it? I'll give you a clue, or I'll give you a multiple choice. Is it fifty to sixty, five hundred to six hundred, or five thousand to six thousand? Five thousand to six thousand. It's got to be, what isn't it? I would say so. It's fifty to sixty. Oh, is well, it? they're the ones who were who just use it every day. Yeah, they? exactly. They do the absolutely fluent, but uh, yeah. sensationalists. <laughs> Definitely yeah, exactly. In the yeah. Well, thank you so much, Nigel, for taking oh. part in my little sci-fi quiz, and thank you for sharing all of your wisdom as as many things as you could remember. Exactly. And if anything comes back to you, we'll, oh. what we'll do is talk to you again, yeah. and we can cover the gaps that yeah. we didn't it's, get. This it's time. not all of the wisdom. I think there's more to mind out there. It's been a good start. We'll, yeah. we'll chat well, with you again. I've had a great time. So thank you, Jenny. Thank you, yeah. Lucy. I, I've had a really fun afternoon. Wow. A man who has forgotten more about quizzing than most of us will ever know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just the tip of the iceberg as well. I think we've we've had a few greatest hits there, but I think we could have talked to him for several more hours. I think maybe we can get him back and find out all the indiscreet things that politicians have said to him over the years. That's what I would really like to dig into. Yes, please. <laughs> come back, Nige. Come back, Nige. Uh, and we hope you will come back for the next episode happening very soon of... Being an Unmerted. <laughs> That went full Bob Dylan. <laughs> Never go full Bob Dylan. <laughs> Fingers on Buzzers starred Lucy Porter and Jenny Ryan and was produced by Amanda Redman with music by Kevin MacLeod and Justin Edwards. Email quiz at fingersonbuzzers.com and tweet at fingersbuzzers. Thanks for listening and don't forget to join us next time for more Fingers on Buzzers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.